Welcome to episode number 131 of Data Protection Gumbo. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and today I speak with Doran Pinhas, CTO at Continuity Software. And Doran is the co-author of the NIST Guide, Security Guidelines for Storage Infrastructure, and is an avid storage backup and security advocate. Alongside continuous research of storage security, threat landscape, and market maturity analysis, he is also engaged in writing, public speaking, and information exchange with leading He has over 20 years of experience in the data and storage management industries as well. And in this episode, we discuss some of the ramifications of hackers gaining control of your storage systems, interesting findings from the NIST Guide for Storage Security, and the best way for listeners to be prepared for a cyber attack. So sit back, relax, and get ready for the episode. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, Doran. How are you today? Pretty good, thanks. All right, it is uh, awesome to have you on, and I am excited to have a conversation with you, uh, especially, Doran, around uh, what vulnerability management is. But before we jump into that, why don't you maybe give us a, a brief overview of continuity software and also yourself as well. Sure, so uh, Continuity was founded in 2005. Uh, We are working with some of the world's largest organizations and help secure their storage and backup environments. And other than developing awesome software, we spend a lot of time researching the state of the industry, understanding the security of the components that make up the storage and backup landscape. We publish a lot, we take part in international initiatives to create new standards. We teamed up with NIST and we team up with ESO. And we try to be really engaged and share what we've learned with the community. And, and I'll be here in that capacity other than promoting, rather than promoting our software, which I might mention just mm-hmm. very briefing. I'll, I'll try to talk about what does it mean to have secure storage? Why, what's in it for you? Uh, what are the risks if you fail to do so? Uh, and for me personally, I've been with Continuity for 17 years, and I have around a similar amount of time of experience in other organizations. My passion is for mission-critical systems, storage and backup, and, and everything in between. Okay. Well, awesome. I am excited about this conversation. And so since we are having a, a blanket conversation about security, uh, one thing that I am con- uh, concerned about and also wondering is what what is vulnerability management? I want to get your definition for for what that is and and what that means for uh, Gumbo listeners out there. So in uh, the world of security, we tend to differentiate between multiple facets of uh, uh, risk and protection. So vulnerability management is the process of analyzing your system systemically to find out if you have any, in layman terms, openings through which bad guys could sneak in. And then if you do, you will want to list them, prioritize them, and rearrange them into an actionable prioritized plan. Okay. So there are many, many types of vulnerabilities. And I guess that as we go along, we can take a few examples. You know, When I have storage and backup systems, which are basically the last line of defense against uh, modern attacks like ransomware, we want to make sure that there is no way to exploit uh, out-of-date uh, pieces of software. 
misconfigured components that might allow uh, users to log in without passwords, for example, and so on. So any misconfiguration or neglect to update to a, to a current or recent event or otherwise that would allow uh, an adversary to get in. Any such opening is a vulnerability and vulnerability manages the process of detecting those gaps uh, and identifying what it needs to uh, be done to close them. Okay. Well, awesome. Thank you for that for that definition. And I, I uh, really appreciate that. And you mentioned ransomware and obviously it was a theme that ran across 2021. And I am sure that we are going to hear the, hear the same for 2022 as well. Um, so w what do you think is the best way for Gumbo listeners to be prepared for, let's say, things like cyber attacks in general and also ransomware? Right. So I, I just want to say a bit before I, I actually address your question is that you know, ransomware is one form of data targeted attacks. It's the most common one. This is what we all fear. But the industry as a whole, the ransomware industry, is very, very profitable. A lot of people estimate that around $20 billion plus have been siphoned out. It's very, very lucrative. And you can imagine that adversaries reinvest some of their profits for new and more nefarious ways to attack organizations. So, uh, you know, looking forward, we should be worried of, on, on a very wide uh, scale, to the opportunity of adversaries targeting our data. Today, we are looking just about into whatever the opportunity of locking it, encrypting it, and releasing it only for ransom. But we should be for worry of other uh, potential attacks. Now, to your question, you know, ransomware has been growing, and it's not only by the volume of uh, attacks but also in terms of sophistication, right? So uh, in the past, we've seen attacks that target individual home devices, then organizations, then networks, and then networks uh, uh, of servers. And today, one of the most profitable ways to guarantee that people actually go ahead and pay the ransom is to also chase down all recovery options. So this is a new and alarming advancement in the ransomware technology. Uh, there are multiple groups that operate uh, out there. And for example, the Conti Group, the Hive Group in 2021 has been uh, notoriously known to be very, very successful in mapping out your organization in advance, figuring out where your data lies, how is it backed up, and simultaneously while also wiping out or encrypting your data, they will delete and destroy backups. So now you have to pay the ransom. So these are some of the alarming trends we see in 21, which we are sure uh, to see more of, regretfully, in 2022. Okay. Now, yeah, I, I've heard that statistic as well, and I'm curious, and I'm not sure whether or not it's increasing or it's decreasing as far as um, you know, hackers and bad actors getting access to the backups. Um, I'm not sure if that number is trending up, trending down, or if it's staying the same. Are, are you seeing anything around that or not? No, if at all, there is a sharp increase, right? So uh, there was a debate years back of whether, you know, what's the best strategy? Should we pay the ransom? Should we recover? And of course, three, four years into this pandemic, let's call the ransomware wave a pandemic, more and more organizations try to resort to restoring data all on their own. But there is a very large number of failures. So that in itself is alarming. 
but we see we've seen between I think 2019 and 2020 more organizations trying as a first resort uh, to deny the ransom or their pay and just try to restore on their own. So that puts a tremendous pressure on the attackers to thwart those attempts. And one of the best ways to do so is to kill the backups. So the groups, the two groups I've mentioned and others are actually very successful. And I think the numbers might, to my uh, dismay, change back. And the more the adversaries will succeed in killing our backups, killing our snapshots, killing our the different tiers we set up in place to be able to recover quickly, uh, the more inclined we will be to pay the ransom because absolutely there is absolutely no other choice. So I'd say they are quite successful. And I'd also want to add that uh, we work with a lot of organizations and help them uh, do a quick mapping of where they stand. What's their risk posture right now? And I'm sad to say that a lot of organizations do not secure their backup and recovery infrastructure well enough. So I'm quite concerned that once those groups like Conti and Hive and others uh, will be a little bit more mature in chasing down the backups, they might be quite successful. I think organizations are not doing enough to harden their last line of defense, which is the storage and backup environment. And as a result, they might be much more susceptible uh, to successful, sophisticated attacks. So uh, uh, it's not very encouraging. Yeah, yeah. The prospects are not encouraging. And it, it reminds me of, you know, what, you know, the ramifications of, you know, when a hacker gets control of your system, what, what are you seeing that the ramifications are when a hacker gets control of, let's say, your storage system uh, as, as compared to just a, one server in the environment? And, you know, what, what's your view on that? Right, right. So just to put things into perspective, right, um, you know, if an endpoint contains uh, whatever, a few gigabytes and the server can contain a few terabytes on average, a typical storage array can contain hundreds of terabytes petabytes, even at the scale of dozens of petabytes. So a single device, a single storage device, a single backup uh, appliance or archiving appliance can hold data, which is the equivalent of thousands of servers, and probably tens of thousands of end users, just to put things in scale. So obviously, a single successful attack on a single storage device could be the equivalent of attacking thousands of servers. Uh, but even more worrying is the fact that organizations did spend a lot of time, maybe the last two or three years, in thinking about what it would mean to recover a failed server. So probably they'll have run books that will outline how to build a server. Hopefully they should do it, obviously, how to build servers from what clean images and how to restore the data. Uh, but when we look at how organizations operate, it's very, very rare to find out run books that define what to do when an entire storage is attacked mm, okay, or an entire backup system is compromised. So the worst time to find out that you didn't prepare in advance is after being hit because now there is no time machine. It hasn't been invented yet. So, so you really need to, to plan ahead. Restoring a full storage array or a full backup system is, is, a, is a different magnitude uh, task, right? as it were. Yeah, I, I, I remember back when I was a TSM administrator, what, 15 years ago? Ransomware wasn't really a big thing back then because everything was primarily on-premises. Um, but I, I just I can remember the amount of effort it would have taken to recover the entire backup system because there's a database backup 
that contains all of the metadata of what it's backing up. You would have to use tapes, recall certain tapes uh, from Iron Mountain. It, it, it just would be a, a very horrible and lengthy process. So I, I don't even want to think about it that much. But Dora, I also want to ask you, um, you, you mentioned, you know, s- securing storage. Uh, so maybe you can provide us with a, a few re- recommendations on, on a few items on, on how, to, how to securely, you know, keep that storage safe, right? Can you provide us some recommendations around, around properly securing your storage? Sure. So on a very, very high level, I, I think it takes a little bit of reading and uh, a little bit of homework. So I want to be able to provide a comprehensive question uh, in today's post- podcast. But I, I, I do want to uh, maybe uh, direct the audience attention to uh, the recently published NIST guide. It's uh, formal numbers, uh, special publication, 800-209. It's titled The Best Practices for Storage and Backup Security. And the document does cover in a structured way what you should probably be looking into. So it starts from uh, basically mapping up your environment. What does it contain? Understanding your security requirements and then starting considering various aspects that make up storage security. These will involve things that we are all aware of like how do people log into our storage devices? How do they uh, control them? Through what APIs? What roles and capabilities we have? And then figure out if these are secured enough. Did we employ, did we close default passwords? Did we change passwords? Do we have sophisticated enough authorization and authentication capabilities? What kinds of roles and policies did we set up? And, and the guide will provide you some guidelines on how to separate roles. For example, one of the worst things we can do in terms of securing storage and backup is to not separate access rights. In the old school, people will use to have an admin role and the backup admin was this, had the same credentials as a server admin. This is really, really bad for securing against malicious attacks. You, you talked just a minute ago about the effort it took to rebuild environments. These were all designed under the premise just, you know, bad things happened. A fire, we lost a site, electrical surge, a flood, or something like that. They didn't really take into account uh, intentional malicious activity. So, right, so when we separate roles, we want to make sure that the backup role is completely separated from the server role. Otherwise, an attacker that compromised the server can now have the credentials to alter our backup jobs. Of course, so, so the next step is to look into authorization. So all of these are generic security areas, authorization and access control and patching and CVE, uh, known vulnerability management and so on. But there are some unique aspects to storage and backup which are a little bit different. So a lot of our networking revolves around fiber channels which are completely foreign to traditional security tools. So basically understand our network architecture. Do we have SANS? Do we have IP storage networking? Do we have IP backup protocols? How to secure and control them? You know, restrict older versions, enable encryption, uh, apply uh, filter IP filtering, uh, apply strong authentication. So there are different aspects from authorization to network access to proprietary mapping, zoning, and so on. Uh, to even more exciting areas which are unique to storage and backup, such as recoverability. How do we plan for recoverability? Did we take into account all the relevant scenarios? What will happen if someone, just as you asked earlier, deletes an array, deletes a backup system? What's the right process? So 
take a structured approach, understand what are the key areas you need to cover. There is some good literature today around uh, uh, that provides you with guidelines and, and, and you need to build a plan and execute. So I regret for it not to be a very, very simple answer, but at least we have the, 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 uh, the framework has been laid. Sure. Uh, and it, it's not, this NIST guide for storage security sounds like a pretty awesome document. How, how can a Gumbo listener get their hands on, on this document? Just, you know, Google uh, NIST uh, uh, 800-209, uh, or it can be found through the NIST guide in our website, uh, continuitysoftware.com. Uh, on the resources sections, there are good links, plus some commentary. Mm -hmm. um, so it should be shouldn't be too hard to find. We also have forums. So in case you have in, 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 in case you have some questions and you want to reach out or uh, have any particular question or suggestion for uh, any of the next releases, we'll be very very happy okay. to uh, address those. Awesome, awesome, and and also just just around. Let's talk a little bit about compliance and regulations and some of those highly regulated industries like financial services and healthcare. Um, do you have any, I guess, specific, uh, maybe best practices or recommendations around uh, keeping keeping data and maybe in particular storage safe and secure? Is there any difference with it being a regulated industry versus not being a regulated industry? Yes, in the sense, well, yes and no. No, in the sense that technically speaking, the, the risks they face are very similar to any other organization. Mm -hmm. And no, because, sorry to be... <laughs> Uh, uh, wise well, asked about it. Sorry, um, <laughs> not a problem. <laughs> uh, the more sophisticated one is that, of course, uh, uh, financial services and healthcare organizations are more regulated. They need to prove compliance to more rigorous standards. Just, just to, uh, and it's not an easy task. We've uh, run a survey last year, mm -hmm. mid last year, and published it. You can find it on our site, where we analyzed the security posture of financial service organizations, for example. So we had a lot of participants. So there we actually there, there is a survey that analyzed the security posture as perceived by CISOs for more than 200 financial service organizations. And what they would all test, attest to is that it's actually quite hard. About 60% of them uh, are not firmly conf confident they can actually recover from ransomware. So, mm -hmm. you know, all bad signs. Right. There's also a technical survey, a separate document, also reachable in our site, where we've analyzed the actual uh, uh, security posture of um, real-life devices. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and of course, it doesn't really name any particular organization. There are about 6,000 different security incidents we've analyzed and summarized. All in all, I think the industry as a whole is not in a great shape. Uh, the average storage component that could be a backup system, a management console, a storage array, a sand switch, the average component will have about 16 different vulnerabilities, three are of high or critical wow. importance. So, you know, to your previous questions, what should we do? We should really build a plan, start to understand what are the requirements, and then build a process where we can start tracking our vulnerabilities. As long as we make constant progress, that's fine. We need to start being much more proactive. Um, so so to, th to those industries, the challenge is probably greater because they need to make sure uh, they meet uh, with uh, industry regulations, which are much more rigorous. And I would also say as a concerned citizen that they are also protecting your money and my money and, <laughs> and nation's funds. So they should be much more worried than other types of businesses. Right? Okay. If you're into manufacturing, 
you may want you, you, you oh, yeah. to stop your production lines. So if a bank loses its data, then nations can uh, uh, can be in a very tough spot. Tell me about it. And also, so so you mentioned CISOs, chief information security officers. Um, I, I have a a very broad question. Let's say you were you were speaking with the CISO. What advice would you give the CISO if they are maybe on the fence about you know purchasing that that next system or platform to help them protect their their storage? I would encourage them to take a broad approach rather than a, a myopic vision, right? So, because you talked about buying a particular system. Mm -hmm. So last year, for example, we saw a lot of hype around organizations, you know, trying to buy point solutions to alleviate the pain, right? We fear about ransomware. Vendors, of course, chip in and they will offer us to buy mutable storage appliances, which are awesome, by the way. But these are point solutions. You, you know, you can take... A new breed of storage array that provides immutable copies, which means that even hackers cannot delete them and, and feel that you've solved the problem. It's not that easy. Even immutable storage arrays could be thwarted if they are not set up in a secure enough way. And I can demonstrate that later if you'd want to. So there is an interesting video on our site. So I'd say rather than focusing on buying a single solution, develop a, a wider perspective. Ask yourself, first of all, what are the scenarios you want to uh, uh, cover. Ask yourselves whether you have an incident response plan that corresponds to risks to data, to data tampering, to data encryption. And if not, uh, I think build focus on building a program for management of data protection risks, of storage and back risks, rather than looking for the one single silver bullet solution to save you. So air gapping is nice, it's not going to help you. Immutable storage is awesome, it's not going to help you, right? So there is a tactic attackers are starting to use. Uh, what I'm saying is based on a real story where uh, even immutable copies can be um, bypassed. So there is a strategy called poisoning. All right, so let's say I'm backing up some of my, most, of course, it's more expensive to use immutable copies than regular data because you know even the slightest mistake would result in in a lot of data being captured that can't be easily deleted, right? So it's it, we store we tend to store much more on a more expensive technology, uh, and ideally we cannot delete it. The attackers can, but the attackers can do other things. What if an attacker can tamper with our backup job? So they can't really delete our good copies, but they can make sure that the next backup job, you know, if you're not auditing our backup configuration changes, if you're not making sure we have certified client software and that it's patched and protected, they can start gently changing the content of the backup jobs. So today's backup won't be perfect and tomorrow even less so. And they just need to sit for a month or two. Too few organizations actually test the backups comprehensively. So within two or three months that have passed, the organization finds itself in a situation where they've purchased the best potential appliance for storing archives, but for the last 90 days, it's only containing junk. So now the, the attackers feel comfortable enough uh, to freeze and encrypt all of your data. When you go ahead and try to look for uh, recovery copies, even for immutable backups, you'll find that for the last 90 days, there are no current copies. The only viable one is 90 days old. So, you know, they couldn't delete everything, but they can actually start affecting reality from now on. So in order to thwart those attempts, we, it's not just about buying the right product, it's about building the right program. 
Uh, and there are things you can do to, to uh, and even in this incident I've covered, there are things you can start doing. If we'll start auditing the configuration changes of our backup jobs and tools and make sure that they are current in terms of uh, you know, versioning and patching and updates and connect all of those suspicious events to our NOC systems, then we can start uh, 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 relying on the immutable devices to actually perform their job. These are excellent technologies, don't get me wrong. I am all in. If you haven't looked into immutable storage and air-gapped systems, by all means, analyze and figure out what's their place in the organization. Yeah, I, I really like that response. And I, I haven't thought of immutable storage uh, being that you can actually go around it. Um, I, I knew that it's supposed to protect you because it's a read-only copy and hackers are not supposed to be able to get access to um, that particular uh, file system or you know whatever the case may be. But I really like that response, and I think it's going to be important for listeners to, number one, make sure their, their recovery time objectives and recovery point objectives are, are really solid, and that they have some type of alerting functionality as well, which is, you, you, you mentioned it, but you know if a backup fails or anything happens with the backup, it's not 100% successful or green, that someone's immediately uh, responding to that and uh, getting to the bottom of what's going on. So um, maybe one or two more questions for you before we wrap up. Also, just overall from a ransomware perspective, obviously we're here in 2022, um, but what are you seeing? Do you think anything will change just from a ransomware perspective this year or maybe next year? You know, we do have artificial intelligence and machine learning now, which is a, a huge thing. And I think hackers are also using AI and ML to you know, make systems more sophisticated, make their make their products more sophisticated to kind of encrypt and, and lock up data. What, what predictions do you have for us? Right. So uh, I would say categorically that technologies, just to uh, relate to your question about emerging technologies with AI, these are primarily effective in detecting in real time that something is fishy is, is already happening. But it's not as proactive, I think, as we, as we need to be. So definitely there is room for technology to detect anomalies, to show us if something bad is starting to happen right now, to provide early alert. But this should be combined with uh, more proactive uh, planning and design patterns, right? So we should be able to make sure in advance that we have the right complexity of backup, that we have enough retention, that the copies are planned enough, that configurations are hardened, that we test our environments. And then you can combine those with uh, uh, tools to, to better detect anomalies and provide with better uh, uh, alert that something fishy is going on. So in terms of the technology stack, I think that we we, uh, we should definitely look into advancement in threat detection, in anomaly detection, but this should be done in parallel with hard, you know, improving and securing our, our backup systems, their efficacy, uh, their hardening. I, I also see trends, as you mentioned, in, in the and the risks themselves, you know, attackers get more sophisticated. If uh, up until now we've seen mostly attacks that were targeted at seizing our data and releasing it for pay, uh, I'm concerned that we'll start seeing more and more attacks that realize that, you know, putting the integrity of our data at risk is more profitable. You know, if you're a bank, instead of locking the data and asking for a few million dollars or tens of million dollars, which is awesome. What if they can just maybe alter the bank's code, alter the bank's repository, 
get uh, get the banks online uh, uh, mobile applications or experience to hack into millions of uh, end users maybe that's more profitable right so uh, we should start looking uh, into securing our storage and backup systems in a more holistic way I've read an interview of an article it's not quoted that much you'll have to uh, fish for it but they actually mentioned that sometimes you know if backup systems are not well designed they can actually use them as a resource rather than a threat it's an opportunity a lot of people back things up to the cloud as a tertiary copy which is an amazing thing to do don't get me wrong you should consider doing it that's awesome but they are saying you know there are lacks in securing access to those systems once i get access to a system uh, internally i have trust relationship that allow me to look at the tertiary copies in Amazon. And now guess what? If I want to siphon out a lot of data, I can just restore it for Amazon. It's completely out of band. No one will come in and say, why is that? Is there such a, a, a spike in, in, in the load on our servers or network? Nothing goes in. You know, Amazon has very nice bandwidths. They can download huge amounts of data really, really quickly. And even if they want to target some of the data that's hard to reach, they can uh, maybe tweak our backup jobs to include it in the next backup job will probably not notice because people are not auditing and logging backup configurations. Okay, got it, got it. I, I like that response. Uh, one, one final question here for you, Doran. Um, let, let's say there's, so we, they say we are in the, the great resignation and you know millions are, are leaving jobs and either they're retiring or they're, they're getting new jobs, et cetera. What advice or recommendations would you give maybe for, let's say a, a new college student who just graduated and they want to enter into the storage and security and backup and recovery industry, what advice would you give for them? So, you know, it, it depends on what types of organizations they want to work in and what type of impact they want to make. But I'd say it's here to stay, right? You know, data is the new oil. Data is growing, its business value is growing, more and more businesses are just there. You've chosen the right profession. I, I'd advise them uh, to get a good balance between, uh, you know, the good old legacy technologies that are are out there to stay for at least a decade, block storage, archiving, and so on. But also get a good grasp of cloud architectures. Uh, you know, be geared to provide good hybrid solutions where wherever they land, and marry the existing technology if it's proven with with. Uh, the scale of uh, the cloud ecosystem for as good as it's worth, right? Uh, but I think they've chosen well. Uh, data is here to stay. And it's uh, it, it's good to be on the, I think for the new generations to be in an era where we can reconsider how to make it truly secure, truly private, truly useful, maybe even truly ethical. So they can actually make a difference. I put that into their uh, consideration as they choose their, their steps and which organization they'd like to work for. And, how do they design storage systems? Got it, got it. Do you have social media? Like, that, let's say someone wanted to follow you. Would you maybe want to share your Twitter handle or maybe can they follow you on LinkedIn? Uh, sure, of course. Uh, and uh, I think all of my contact details and my peers, there is a wide community of uh, 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 colleagues of mine who, who, who publish research and opinions. So yeah, you can definitely follow us through LinkedIn, uh, join our communities on our website. All right. For sure. Well, Doran, um, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, I've definitely learned a, a lot about um, just some things I, I didn't know about immutability and, and ransomware. So I appreciate you sharing that with the audience. 
And um, thank you so much for appearing as a guest on Data Protection Gumbo. You're very welcome. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.